Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nedling. You are about to discover impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you, so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. Be sure you visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nettling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics or guests that will empower you to take your life or your business to the next level. Today, I am excited to have my guest, June Kralik Collins on. And June has a very interesting background, so I want to share that with you, please. June is a master NLP practitioner and coach. In 2012, she lost her son, Caleb, and found herself hitting rock bottom and not understanding how to rebuild her life without Caleb in it. During this time, she found a passion with the mind and how individuals react to trauma. Through her own experience and education, she now helps other women rebuild and find purpose in their lives. June Collins wrote a book detailed detailing her experiences with child loss and the demons she faced. She wrote, Mama, you don't heal to help other women to realize they are not alone and to help them begin their initial steps to rebuild their own life and purpose. Mama, you don't heal will be released as this is being aired today it is going to be released tomorrow june 16th for those of you listening to the replay you can go and get that on amazon or other resources go to june's website to get this book again mama you don't heal it's her 11th birthday after the loss of her son caleb i chose for us to have the title or the theme how to change your career in your 40s and above as I'm 65 <laughs> and I have done this now three times. Yeah. So I understand mm-hmm. how important it is. We will touch a, a good bit on the um, the pain and the, the moving forward with loss, but we are also going to talk about what it is to decide to move forward after we turn 40 and older. Please welcome June Krayholic Collins. Hey, June. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. We're all praying for no bad weather right now so that we can keep this podcast (laughs) moving. Uh, June Mm -hmm. is the time when the rains come and when you're in June or when you're in Florida or Georgia, you just never know. So those of you that might be listening to this podcast in the winter, well, now you know what it's like here in June. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. Nothing but rain and hurricanes, which is fine. I'm good with that. But it's, it's, you just never know. 
You just never know. They pop up all the time, (laughs) for sure. We always start with a simple question. I did uh, give a clue that you're in Florida, but what part of Florida are you in? Oh, I'm I'm close to Florida. Um, I'm originally from Pompano Beach, Florida, right. and down in Broward County. And then now we've actually moved to a, a small town um, of about 5,000 people. It's called Hayhira, Georgia. And it's really close to Valdosta. So we're like dead center um, in the middle of the state, all the way do- down towards the bottom. Yeah. So um, we're 30 minutes away from the Florida line now. So you can basically yeah. say we're living there. Yeah, you get all the humidity for sure. Yes, yes. And, and the no steams, right? Those, yes. those little bugs, gnats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's just give a little bit of your backstory. Um, tell everybody, you know, um, just how you got to where you are today. Okay. Um, so when um, when I was young, I'll go back when I was trying to fix and try to figure out what I wanted to do in life I had no clue um I was one of those people that when I got out of high school didn't know if I wanted to go to college didn't know if I wanted to work so I'll start I'll preface it for that I just I had no clue and um just the opportunity to become to get into law enforcement happened and so I became a police officer um several years after I got out of school So I, I started doing that and I, I like it and stuff like that. It was all right. And then, um, so fast forward, I was doing that. I, you know, I was enjoying it. And then I decided to start having a family, you know, I had my husband and I had a son and he was actually special needs. And, um, I had a complete placental abruption when he was born. Yeah. And, um, so he had a lot of special needs going on with that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, once, uh, I had him, I was still working in law enforcement and, um, you know, it was just a different, different, different atmosphere, you know, yeah. it was, you know, what he needed. And, um, so we went along with, with that for a really long time. My husband at the time was ex, uh, he was in, in the military at the time. Um, he's since gotten out of the military, but, um, my ex-husband was in the military, so we kind of basically just took shifts with Caleb, and that's yeah. that was our life, you know, and we took his medicine, and he had several different issues, um, so we we lived like that, and then in March of, it was March 20th of 2012, um, my I woke up to my, my ex-husband screaming, and um, I ran downstairs halfway, and I was like, what's going on? Or is everything okay? And he said, no, Caleb's not breathing. So I went to um, here in our county, and I'm not sure it's a, if it's in everybody's county, but if you dial 911 and don't talk, the police still come. Yeah. So um, I threw down, I dialed 911, threw down the phone, and I went to his room, and I started CPR on Caleb. And, um, after that, I started CPR on Caleb and then he went to the, they took him, the ambulance finally got here. Cause we live in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the ambulance got here. They went to take him to the hospital and he ended, he ended up passing away. Um, he never regained consciousness, never started breathing again on his own. And that was in 20, uh, March, um, of 2012. Mm-hmm. So after that happened, um, obviously it, it changes any kind of trauma. I'll say this, any, any trauma that you have in general, it changes you and your, your morals, your values, your beliefs, everything changes. And I just, I felt like 
at the time and and I was 31 when he died I felt like I needed to do more and be more that my life I didn't like what my life was I wanted to be more and do more but I didn't want I was going through all this grief and I was fighting the demons you know demons from you know the child loss having to deal with that and then just demons of who I was as a person that I did not like and so um you know, it started to change me and like everything started to change. And I was like, you know, this just doesn't fit who I am now. Mm. And um, so that's what started my mind thinking, you know, as I'm dealing with the grief um, and trying to deal with it and figure out what's the best way to deal with it. Mm. um, I also was thinking, you know, this, this law enforcement just isn't for me anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not what it once was for me. So um, when you know, I started um, dealing with my own grief. And then after I started dealing with my own grief, it was, oh, wow, that person lost a child. Let me talk to them. Oh, wow, that person lost a child. Let me talk Mm -hmm. to them. And it went on like that for a really, really long time. And um, I remember it's been it's been a little while back, I started a Facebook group. And I was like, I wonder if anybody would even be interested in just a group of women learning how to deal with child mm-hmm. loss mm-hmm. and um and are they having the same problems because the women's the women that I'm talking to they seem to be having the same problems yeah. that I've already dealt with mm-hmm. and so I, I started that Facebook group and it kind of took off and so from from there on that's when I, I decided you know what maybe my purpose this is my purpose because it felt right and it felt no matter how much time and how tired I was you know doing law enforcement and doing doing the group, doing the monthly questions, doing, you know, coaching, it still, it felt good. It wasn't like a, I consider it wasn't like a job. Right. And, um, and I, I just, I really enjoyed it. And that's where I kind of shifted because like, to me, it seems like when I was, when I did law enforcement, like it was, um, I didn't feel like it was a purpose. It was Mm -hmm. something that I did that I enjoyed doing, but I didn't, it didn't have deep meaning to me where this feels like a purpose helping other women with their child loss feels like a purpose and you know obviously the group started and then the monthly questions and then um you know just different things started popping off and then I thought um you know what let me write a book maybe I can reach more people writing a book Mm. and um so I i Later, I, I was in 11 years in my child loss and I wrote a book, which was the perfect time because I don't think it would have been as honest and raw if it would have been back then because mm-hmm. I was so jaded by, I had all these anger issues and there was just mm-hmm. so much going on with me then that it just wouldn't have been a great time. But that that's kind of where I got started, where it started to shift for me and it was because of the trauma I experienced. Oh, wow. So... I think you kind of started to talk about this, but in that Facebook group that you started, um, were you guiding people to how to rebuild their lives? I mean, were you getting people that were responding to what you're putting out there in Facebook to to be able to say, okay, what is the next step? Uh, You know, this is day one of the loss. What do I do today? Yes. So when I started the group, um, I never did the Facebook groups at first until I started. um, I was like, well, let me start this group and see if anybody's interested. So um, 
a lot of these groups that are out there, um, people can post about their their trauma, um, their their loss. But I was finding that it was so it's great to talk about your loss and it's great to post about it. But there was a lot of I'll never get over this. I'll you know, I can't do this. And the mindset was so, so bad in some of these groups and like the new women coming in. Yeah. that we're seeing this lady is like 10 years in and she can't, she didn't get over it. I'm not going to get over it. And they were changing right. their mindset. So what I decided when I started this group, I wanted to give them an open space in private to talk about what their deep feelings are, what they felt um, was, was holding them back or what they felt is their problem. But I wanted them to use it in more of a positive way instead right. of being like, I'll never get over this. Mm. I wanted them. I wanted a group where it was like, this is really hurting me and and I'm going to try to get to do, you know, one step closer to finding what my happy place is, what my peace is, because it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so so I started posting like I, I'll I'll post like quotes and stuff. I'll post positive quotes, I'll post quotes about child loss, but the ones that I do post are usually more positive in nature. Um uh, about rebuilding your life and how strong you are when you when you do lose a child and then you know sometimes it'll be posts about my story mm -hmm. or it'll be you know asking questions or it um like I do a lot of stuff about guilt and anxiety just because right. a lot of people have both of those um so I'll post different ways for them to um be able to handle it like different mm -hmm. things that they can try because um, that's one thing that I did find is that something that works for me might not work for somebody else. And I can give you a perfect example because I'm an introvert. I'm an introvert at heart. So for me, um, group counseling is not ideal for me because right. I'm more worried about everybody in the room and people being there versus mm -hmm. taking everything in. So for me, that doesn't work. But for me getting online, because I'm very analytical and reading about your mindset and the way your mind, you know, thinking one thing can change your mind to do another. That's, that's what helped me, but it might not help someone else. It's like, I don't want to read all that stuff, but yeah. I can give them tips, you yeah. know, and, help. and give me um, the cliff notes, right? <laughs> yeah. Give me the cliff notes that I can understand. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the way that I, that I run that group. And, you know, if there's a negative thought, a lot of times the women that are in that group will encourage them and encourage them to not think the way, you know, not mm -hmm. to be the negative, to be more positive and Hey, maybe try this, this might help you. Um, and then, um, starting, uh, the 23rd of June, um, the program that I was, cause I was doing like a group program and, um, which, which it works good, but it, you know, I needed more one-on-one -on -one with people. Right. Um, so that group program is each week you'll get a different video on that group program that I was teaching people. And then that way they can ask questions in the group too. Like, Hey, you said this, but what about this? And mm -hmm. um, it's just a way to give everybody all the information that they could possibly need to help them start making those baby steps and let them know that they're not alone in doing it. Yeah. It opens the door for conversation. Mm -hmm. So as, as a person's going through trauma, whether it be child loss or any type of trauma, and you're thinking about, okay, I mean, sometimes turning 40 is trauma mm -hmm. for people. And, yeah. and I, I, you know, I know for myself, 
when I first met my husband, he had lost his dad when he was in high school, sophomore in oh, high wow. school. And his mm -hmm. dad was only 47. And it is interesting that whenever I celebrated or tried to celebrate his 30th birthday, it was a terrible traumatic thing. And he didn't want to be celebrate. He didn't want to celebrate. And then every, what I realized was every year he got closer to 47, he thought that that it's was going to be the end, you know? Mm -hmm. And then after he turned 47, you know, he was okay, cool. But it, it's really how our minds really play tricks on us. Mm -hmm. And um, so as you're trying to figure out what that next step is, I imagine there's a, a good deal of fear mm -hmm. as to, you know, if you should even try anything. So as, as you talk to the women in this, this group, what kind of... Um, discussions do you have in relation to that fear of the unknown and and I guess sometimes can you do this I mean that mm -hmm. really feeling that you you can't do something different there's got to be some kind of discovery that has to take place as you have these conversations yes so fear is a big thing a lot of things in life fear will stop you that is what stops people, I would say, 95% of the time. And and it's not a bad thing. Fear is put into us to by our mind to kind of cushion us, to kind of help us not mm -hmm. to get hurt, not yeah. to do a whole bunch of different things. So fear is just, it's natural. Everybody has it. But it's the people that actually push past the fear that mm -hmm. ma make it. I, I say make it. Um and when I'm talking to these women and when I'm talking to anybody that's experienced trauma is you have to push past that fear. That fear is there for a reason and it's there for to, you know, um, not, not for us to get hurt, you know, um, hurt physically or emotionally it's there. Um, it's, it's always there. Um, but you have to push past it. And mm -hmm. I try to make them realize, you know, it's normal to fear this stuff but you have to push past it. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them, you know, you don't have to, if, you know, if you try something and you don't like it, you can always not do it again, yeah. but at least you tried. Mm -hmm. And, the, and, and trying is pushing past that fear, right. whether you like it or not, trying is pushing past that fear. And that's what you want to do with, you know, the next step or, or changing careers is you, you're like, okay, well, let me try this just like I did, you know, let me try this group and see if people will like it. You know, you don't have to go, you know, I, I call it shiny object syndrome. You don't have to go from, I want to change my career. And now the shiny object, I'm like this person. Cause it never happens like that anyway. Mm -hmm. um, there's always those baby steps in between. So I, you know, don't go here let's take it step by step, start a group, see if anybody's interested, you know, um, or, you know, I, I don't talk to people to see if they'd be interested in whatever you're, you're yeah, wanting to do, if you're selling sure. a product or if you're coaching or whatever you're doing um, and take it, take it smaller steps and smaller bits and, and steps, but take a step and push past that fear. Because once you do it more and more and more, that fear of changing your career or, doing something else, you know, whatever it is, or starting something, inventing something, whatever you mm -hmm. just writing a book, whatever it is, if you start taking steps, that fear is going to get little, littler and littler and littler. 
Mm-hmm. It'll go, you know, it's never going to go away because it's built in us. It's, it's, yeah, automatic. Sure. it's always in us. And sometimes fear is good. I mean, every time I go to speak, there's mm-hmm. that fear, but that actually brings energy to, yes. to what I do. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Whenever you're going through this trauma, like for you, you had a spouse at that time. Um, so for those that have another party, you know, spouse, other children, there's the trauma isn't yours alone. Mm-hmm. How does that impact relationships? How does that, how do you, how do you talk to your your husband, your wives, your um, other, your children to keep them assured that um, it's going to be okay or that you're working through this? I mean, there has to be some kind of dialogue, I think, to keep things healthy. And, and you know, I guess in, in your case, it didn't um, work. <laughs> but, you know, so let's just talk about that for a little bit about how you know, we, we worry about our own mindset, but we have all these people feeding us mm-hmm. that cause us to have other um, doubts and maybe enhance our trauma. Yeah. So whenever, whenever you have that trauma or you have that loss, like me, I had my child loss, you have your trauma, you have your spouse's trauma and you have your other kid's trauma. Um, and being that mom, obviously we want to fix everything. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we do. We fix everything. Mm-hmm. And um, to talk about, as in, I, obviously I, I, my, my husband at the time and I got divorced. Um, I, I tell him there's, there's two types of people, two types of spouses. We'll go with spouses first. There's two types of spouses. There's the spouses that before your child lost, it wasn't it was a rocky relationship. And then you have the spouses that were already had a really good relationship. One or the other is going, I I believe is going to determine um, your child loss. If you guys decide that, you know, you're going to make it, then you guys are going to make it for, for myself. When, when uh, we went into the child loss, we were already in a rocky situation. And when the child loss happened, it put more of a strain on us and we both weren't, I think he was probably more than me, but mm-hmm. um, weren't willing to work hard to stay together. Right. So we divorced, mm-hmm. but I know other women that I, I work with and, and are in my groups, they have, um, I, I've never seen relationships like it. They're just, it's so special, the relationship they had. Now they had a great relationship at first, or they agreed to work on it, but they grew together with mm. their trauma loss. And um, I mean, they're just, there is nothing that can stop them. And um, I know a lot of them um, to this day, and it, it's just, it's amazing. And they're very, um, they're all very close and their kids are very close. And mm. uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing to see how child loss grew them closer together, even though you thought they already had a great relationship. Right. Um, so I think it just depends on your spouses for that. Um, obviously, whenever you do go through loss, um, a woman is going to show grief differently than a man's going to go show. And you guys have to have that understanding as well. Um, but it, it is doable. It is doable to stay together. Mm-hmm. Um, as for children, um, they grieve too, because they 
obviously they lose they lost a sibling they lost their forever best friend they lost their their playmate mm -hmm. and um i you can see different things with kids like i have a daughter now but she wasn't around with caleb she, you know she was born after caleb but she still mourns caleb because mm -hmm. it's the brother that she'll never have mm -hmm. you know she knows she has a brother but he's not here with her so I see it from Bella all the time, you know, she'll mention it, you know, I miss Caleb and stuff. And it's kind of like, okay, you know, and we talk about it and everything and, and we move on from it. But you also have the, the families that have other children. Mm -hmm. And so the mom is trying to go through her trauma and she wants to be there for her children. Um, I tell a lot of the people that I work with, set up times to have like, family group meetings you mm -hmm. know like 30 minutes this is the set of, and I say a safe space but it's because that's whatever it says now but um this is the time to talk about it and then that just sets up a time where people know I can talk about it and we can talk openly about it because a lot of times with your spouse and your children they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to upset you mm -hmm. you know everybody doesn't want to upset each other so they don't talk about it so setting up those times gives that open open door for everybody to talk about the loss and what they're feeling um with children sometimes you'll see them acting out um mm -hmm. that could happen and then sometimes you will you will see with children um when they're going through um a sibling loss mm -hmm. they will try to mimic that sibling that sibling that passed um. and the reason why they're trying to do that in psychologically in their mind they're thinking okay, well, mommy and daddy are sad, but if I act more like that sibling, oh. it's going to fix things. Yeah. And that's just a child's mind of thinking to that. And I always tell, tell mamas, you know, you need to sit down with your child and tell them, you know, I love you. Um, this is a sad moment in our life, but I love you for you and, and you're perfect the way you are. Yeah. And um, because that's the worst fear of anything is losing another child. God, God forbid us lose another child. And God forbid if they're older, lose them to um, drunk driving or yeah. suicide or overdose. I mean, we don't want to push them to that, you know, and, and it could happen. I mm -hmm. mean, it's 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 you can think that that could happen. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's just making them realize you know, I don't want you to be that, that person. I want you to be you. Right. And, um, that's just a few things that I talk about with, with them and how different everybody grieves. So it is zoomed by, um, we could probably <laughs> talk for hours and hours. Uh, I'm going to go and give you the rapid fire, just a, a couple. Sure. So we talked about, you know, that next thing and figuring out what the next thing is. And sometimes that's challenging. How do you change your passion into making profit? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, I think once you find your purpose, you know, um, once you find your purpose and, and I tell women, I tell women all the time, when you look at your life, what's the one thing you like doing the most? And if, if it's talking to women, if it's doing podcasts or whatever it's doing, if you do that and that, and you just, every, every moment you have, you're starting to think about it, that's your purpose. Yeah. And if you are meant to do something and it's your purpose, if you work towards it, it's going to happen. Yeah. And you just, you just keep going and going and going because once you stop, then there's no way you're going to succeed. 
So even if you start to succeed in making profit, keep going because there's always a little bit more you can do. Um, so I would say just keep going. What I found too, whenever I was going through what's next kind of thing, then those <laughs> opportunities came about. Uh, I I found that uh, volunteering helped actually to mm -hmm. open doors okay. because it wasn't a commitment. It exposed you to different things that you mm -hmm maybe never even thought that you loved yeah. until you did it. So mm -hmm. uh, I would suggest trying to volunteer at different places. So <clears throat> how do you create buy-in in your business? I, I think especially for what I do is being raw, not, I, I don't hold anything back. I mean, there's no, there's no reason for me to help people. I give them, um, for me, I give them the raw me, um, and stuff. I mean, I don't tell them everything like in my life that's going on that's happened, but you know, but you know, with my child loss, I'm very raw with it. And I'm like, no, you're actually going to feel this. No, you're mm -hmm. actually going to feel this. And I'm very honest with them about yeah. it. Um, and that, I think that works for me because there's, there's no reason for me to hide. If I really want to help somebody and help them move forward, not holding back something is not going to yeah. help. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that works really well with me because of the fact that I'm so raw, I'm so open. Um, I don't hold anything back. If they have any questions, I'll give them a legit answer mm -hmm. to, you know, this is exactly how you're going to feel, or this is exactly how I'm going to feel. And I don't mm -hmm. hide all those things that, you know, some things you hide from the world and you don't want to tell it, but I'm just like, nope, I'm going to tell it, yeah. you know? And, um, and it, it, it helps those people too, that are like, well, I'm not going to tell that when I say something like one of the, one of the big things I talk about is, um, well, two things um one um after caleb died um i i talk about you know i had the thought of well at least he's not suffering anymore mm -hmm. and a lot of people are like oh my gosh how can you say that about your child but um caleb had a lot of issues yeah but for me to move forward that was something that i thought about you know mm -hmm. he's not suffering he's you know he for me he's with god yeah. you know and then another thing is like i talk about um, how reckless I was um, when I first lost my child. And, you know, remember I was, I was on a drug task force at the time in law enforcement and we're doing all this high, high risk stuff. And I just didn't care, yeah. you know, if, if I, if I pass away, you know, it's okay because I'm going to be with Caleb. And I talk mm -hmm. about that a lot. And those are two things that I know that people don't want to talk about. Yeah. They don't, they hide that from the world and it's okay. You know, and I tell them, you know, these things are okay to think. You know, mm -hmm. it's just a thought. It's just changing where you're going. Yeah, um, so, sure. yeah, I think just being really raw and just being honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, there's yeah. no reason to hide anything, you know. You and I had talked about the fact that, uh, yeah, I had lost two children. And um, and the, no, you, the people around you never wanted to bring up like that I had a miscarriage two times. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and for me, I just kept on thinking the way I felt I needed to share with other people so mm -hmm. that they one would know I was okay talking about it. But I just thought if I could help anybody to mm -hmm. not have all of the pain that I felt in each of those times, that would be yeah. great. And um mm -hmm. it, it is interesting. Those that we love the most are sometimes the most afraid to talk to us about the pain that we suffer. 
Yeah, I think I think I think for a lot of people too. Number one, it's out of the normal life cycle, so they don't they don't understand. And for some reason, you know, well, if we don't talk about it, they're you know, it's not going to bring it up, and they don't realize we always think about it. Yeah. We're always thinking about, um, mm -hmm. like for me, I think about what Caleb would be today, you know, yeah. he's a teenager today, you yeah. know, what would he be doing, you know? And like for you with your miscarriages, what would those child children be doing right now? Yeah. You know? I always think what that they were two boys. I have two yeah. girls. I always think they were both boys, <laughs> but now, you know, I have, now I have two grand boys. And so, mm -hmm. I, you know, God gave me that. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just, um, I think that's what a fear that they don't want to upset you, but I think people has the, have this, this notion that the, like, especially people that have lost children and, you know, uh, I think we talked about this too, like statistically speaking, you know, they, they say like, if you go look at the statistics for parents that lose children, it's like 24 weeks all the way up. I think it's 25 and those are the only people, they have this little short, short part that they say, okay, if you're a parent and you lose a child, we're going to do a statistic on you. But you have people before 24 weeks that lose children. You have okay. people that are over the age of 25, 26, that parents are dealing with their loss, yeah. you know? And I think everybody just, it's kind of like taboo. Like nobody wants to talk about it because they're scared they're going to upset somebody mm -hmm. or say something wrong. But it's just so normal. You start to learn how many people have actually lost a child, whether yeah. it was miscarriage young or they were older when they mm. lost their children. Yeah. But no yeah. one wants to talk about it. And it's so natural and it happens so often. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of people. I have a, a very good friend whose um, brother died at 40 something, 40 ish. Mm -hmm. And he had a massive heart attack and it was unexpected. Mm -hmm. And, and she has grieved mm -hmm. probably 20 years now. Yeah. And um, and it, it's it just hurts your heart. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, there there are people that need, I guess, people like you. Yeah. I, I think I think for for women that lose children, I like I don't I don't think you ever heal. I don't I don't believe in the word heal. I think we all learn how to deal with it. And we, we deal with it either in a positive light or a negative light. And we got to change the negative way we, we heal because um, the, so basically the last memory you have of a person is usually the last interaction. Yeah. And I think we talked about this as well. Um, so what's the last interaction that these moms mm -hmm. or, or um, other people have had is, is that death and you got to change that and um, you got to change it to a positive. And I think that that is so important too, because we have to learn, you know, I'm never going to get over, um, what the incident that happened, I'm not going to be okay with, with him passing away, but I can be okay with keep honoring his memory. Yeah. And I, I can be okay with remembering mm -hmm. and talking about him when I, when I want to, right. you know, and, um, I talk about him a lot and he plays a big role in my life still, but I, I think, I think that that's a, that's a big thing as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, for those of you that want to be able to get in touch with June, we have a slide that you can see contact information. So let me share my screen. You don't have, if you're just listening to this, you can go ahead and take down the website information. Uh, it will be on my YouTube channel as well as my website. But it is the serenitydreamer.com. Again, 
theserenitydreamer.com. She's on Facebook at The Serenity Dreamer and Instagram, Life After Child. I'm going to let June talk to you a little bit about what you can find through her various services as well as when you go to that website. So June, tell them your call to action. Yeah, so if you go to that website, um, you can either actually go to the Serenity Dreamer or Life After Child because Life After Child is um, my coaching program. Um, you can either go to either one of those. You can, um, when you get on the website, it will tell you everything that I, I actually do. Um, there's, there's a tab, um, different tabs on there. Um, so you can go there and kind of see what all I do. Um, if, if, you know, my book's on there, you can um, check out my coaching and see what my coaching is all about. I also sell some merchandise on there. And um, I later on, I will be starting like a, a podcast for like one specific positive thing or step that you can do each week um, to basically move forward in your life. Um, and it's for everybody. Oh, mm -hmm. well, women, I will say it's for women. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it could help men too, but I'll be starting that as well. But, um, and then, so you can find out all about that. You can actually connect to any of my pages from the website. Um, but if you want to, if you have actually lost a child and you want to get into um, my private group, that is um, at the bottom um, where it's women surviving child loss. Yeah. And um, you just have to answer some questions to get in. Um, if you don't answer the questions, I try to look and see if I can tell if you've lost a child. Um, so I, I, I just want to make sure that it's just for, you know, women who have lost a child. But yeah. other than that, um, and then and that that's where all my free resources are. Um, and you can just, um, you can be as active or, you know, just sit back and listen to everybody until you feel comfortable. Um, it's kind of go at your own pace. Um, we also, through that group, we also have like monthly Q&A. So if you send me the questions, we answer them once a month. Um, uh, it's either Zoom or you can be in the group uh, live. Um, I do like a Facebook live in there. Um, don't have to be dressed up. Don't have to be anything but yourself. Um, you don't have to turn your screen on. Just, you know, just sit there and listen um, okay. and just to help you. And if you have any questions, you're welcome to ask them during, you know, obviously when we're, we're doing, we're in the middle of the questions and answers, but that's kind of a little bit where we're going or where I am right now and where I'm going in the future. Well, June, it has been just wonderful. And as I said, we could talk for a lot longer. We'll probably mm -hmm. have to have you back after your book launch and your yeah. podcast so that we can talk about how that went, that experience, and um, talk a little bit more about um, how women can start over with a new career after 40s. Yeah. <laughs> as always, I remind everyone that life is a journey no matter what age you are, life is a journey yeah, it's up is. to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Nettling signing off. Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast with Vicki Nettling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself. 
Remember to visit our website at www.findyourleadershipconfidence.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Find Your Leadership Confidence Podcast.